Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Thank you for listening to episode... Thank you for listening to this episode of We Do Recover. I'm your host of this thing, Jared Miller. You already got it already. You already the oh, man. <laughs> Today we have in the studio your your co-host, our medical expert, the doc, Terry Sellers. Good morning, everybody. Yes, that's right. I'm loud. I'm I also loud and obnoxious this morning. I also want to take the time to acknowledge our producer that makes this thing possible. Sean Denovan. Do you want to start over again? Because you've already like messed up three things, and yeah. it's not even thirty seconds in, man. I don't, I don't believe no, in perfectionism. <laughs> so this we'll, is what we we'll do. roll with it. We'll roll. It's been that kind of a morning. And last but definitely not least, I have the honor of introducing our featured guest this morning, all the way from St. Paul, Minnesota, Georgia, and Bernard Jones. Hey, how you doing? Hello, hello. Good. Welcome to the chaos we call We Do Recover. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate being. Uh, you having us here. Absolutely. No, we are grateful. We're Thank you. Yeah. So this podcast is recorded in sunny St. George, Utah. Episode 36, part one is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers, where addiction ends and healing begins. That's it. Start over, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. The pressure. Feel All the right. pressure. Yeah. All right. Take a deep breath. Episode 36, part one is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers, where addiction ends and healing begins. If you or a loved one need help, please reach out to him. 801-800-8142. All right. Well, I'm a, I'm a wreck this morning. So why don't you start <laughs> us off with some new and goods? What? Uh, do you want me to take over? Do you Thank you. I needed a little volume because I can't hear myself at all. Uh, do you want me to tell you new and goods of mine? Are you asking me that? Or do you want me to take over the segment? Uh, new and good of, of yours. I got a new iPhone. Nice. But this isn't it. And it's not working yet, but it'll it'll get there, I'm sure. Sweet. Well, that's good. You got a new iPhone. Just yeah. got to figure out the technology, right? Yeah. Well, that's hard for an old guy like me, right? <laughs> technology <laughs> and old people don't go in, don't go hand in hand. But right, I'm gonna right. call it new and good. That's kind of all I've got. Nice. Well, let's let's pass it over to Georgia. Georgia, What's doing good in your life. How's sunny St. George treating you? It's so beautiful here. I'm like, oh my goodness. When we got here, it was dark. So this morning I looked out the window like, oh my goodness, this is beautiful. So I'm excited to, you know, check the town out. Probably nice. a little different than your weather in St. Paul right uh, now, Very huh? different, yes. Was <laughs> <laughs> it exciting it's to nice. see palm trees outside when you looked outside? Yes, it's so beautiful. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, there's a pool out. I'm like, I might have to take a dip up in that there pool. There you <laughs> go. There you go. And if you get a chance, there's some great hiking. Just get out in it because yes. it's fun. It's, it's nice. so beautiful here. Good. It's a nice Thanks. place. Yeah. And what about you, Bernard? What's new and good in your world? Ah, oh, man, just Utah is new. First time here. Um, look like a beautiful state, though. So we're going to go do some hiking, just yeah. get, to get around the city and just enjoy it, though. Yeah, do that. That's hopefully, fun. Hopefully you guys let me and Dr. Sellers take you guys out for dinner tonight and kind of show you show you uh, some, some fun places to oh, eat. Yeah. We, we don't turn down food. <laughs> Never that. <laughs> Those, that's, my, that's my kind of people right there. Yes. That's, right. That's, right. that's what I'm talking about. We don't turn down food. Not at all. It's a good motto. I like it. <laughs> all right, Sean Denovan. What's new and good in your world? You got you kind of got me miscombobulated this morning. I had an Whoa. anxiety attack because next week we're not doing a podcast because of some. Yeah, I'm going on. A, I'm going on a motorcycle ride to Laughlin. Right, and yeah. so I showed up this Personal morning, reason. and there was I wasn't here. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you weren't here. Sellers wasn't here, and I was like, oh, please don't, please don't make me like. Did I mess up the date? Because these yeah. guys came all the way from St. Paul, Minnesota, and I was having an anxiety. Oh, you guys are the ones. Yeah. Oh, I really should have been here on time. Oh, no. Uh, my brain is not working. My kid's 18. He's he's 18. So it's one of those things. And um, the clock's ticking. And so any moment I can get. So I, I locked him down and said, we're having breakfast. And uh, the place didn't open until 9. I thought they opened at 8. And so it was just one of those things. Nonetheless, I had a super awesome breakfast with my kid. Nice, oh, and that's important. And that's we're important. both full with uh, was it? It was sugar. It's a new uh, new restaurant here in town, and oh my gosh! Did they pay you for that plug just now? Not a dime. <laughs> Not, but I mean, it's just big, lots of food, delicious, made from scratch, and I mean, it takes a little longer for them to make it, but it's it was good. It's worth it. So I'm like kind of lumpy and frumpy right now. Nice, but I had a great great breakfast with my kiddo. Yeah, that's, so, nice. that's good though. And I've made everybody wait because of that. 
<laughs> it's okay. It's all good. We like to mess with Jared's anxiety. It's not, it's actually one of my pastimes. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is true. All right. Well, oh, hey. Oh, yeah. I forgot that I'm in studio, and apparently I'm supposed to take over at this point, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, we got some uh, we got some very special guests that are all the way here from Minnesota. So let's not take up too much more time bantering. Let's talk to them. Okay. So tell us first of all. Let's just get started with who are you? Tell me a little bit about wh who you are, what you got going in your life. That sort of stuff, like the right, the here and now. Uh, well, my name is Bernard Jones. Um, originally from uh, Michigan. Uh, been in Minnesota for the last 15, 20 years. Wait, where in Michigan? Uh, ben Harbor, Michigan. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I spent some time in uh, in Detroit, basically. Okay, okay, okay. Love it. I loved it. I didn't yeah. love Detroit, let's yeah, be yeah. honest. But <laughs> I, I, did, I did love so Michigan. You already know he's a liar now, right? You can't trust anything he says after he said, I love Detroit. No, nah, I said I, I didn't I love just, Detroit. I, I did love Michigan, but nah, I didn't yeah. love Detroit. Michigan, it's a, it's a good place where yeah. you can just... I'm glad I grew up there. I just say that though. Sure, it's a lot of stuff that I learned, and I'm able to, I'm able to implement to life though. Yeah, sure. Seeing the harsh stuff that come through that way. Yeah. So I'm so, I'm sorry to interrupt what you were saying because I just I I get a connection with the, like a state and I go crazy. So uh, no. keep going. Oh, what's yeah. happening in your life? Uh, what's happening now? Just me and my wife. We just enjoying life. Got a couple of businesses, but we don't want to talk about that stuff now. Um. So yeah, that's about it. That's that's all we. That's all I got right now. How long you been married? Uh, five years. It'll be six in May, May 15th. Okay. Have any kids? Yeah, three. Three kids. How old are they? Uh, 11, 21, and 24. On the 21st. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. And two grandkids. You can't be old enough to have grandkids. Yeah, I'm talking I'm talking <laughs> to you now. I'm Bernard's probably. He's probably. Sellers, you got to prep us guys before you ask those kind of questions in front of our ladies. You know what I mean? Right, because right. like. Like Bernard, my guy, he got them all. But like, there's a little. I was having anxiety for Bernard. Like, okay, only because I keep talking about what we're gonna do. What are we gonna do for our six year anniversary on May fifteenth? He already tried to make plans. I'm like, did you forget that's our anniversary? He's like, oh yeah, no, 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 I remember. Yeah. No, no, listen, See, smart. I'm, me listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help out now. He told me he's already got some really cool plans. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> he just hasn't told you yet. See, there you go. There you go. See, I'm, not trying to, I'm just trying to help you out after trying to hang you out to drive there earlier. So after this intro, you guys know how simple-minded I am, and so that's why me and Mandy picked 71421 because skip uh, by seven. I can't forget that, right? See, that's like, a good number. And that's what we did. You'll forget. 15, 15. There you go. See, yeah. I like that's, that's that one. it was based on those numbers. That's a good one, actually. I nice. yeah. think about that. <laughs> Pretty smart. Don't ask me when my anniversary is. Oh, hey, if my wife's listening, <laughs> I know it's the 14th of August. I got gotcha. you. All right. So, um, you got to tell us who you are then. So, I'm Georgia Giles Jones. I'm originally a Giles, and um, I have added my husband's name, so I am a Jones now. Um, I've, I'm born and raised in St. Paul, okay. so that's my stepping grounds. Um, I love it besides the winter. Otherwise, it's a it's a great state. Yeah, except the winter's nine months long, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and there's no palm trees. No, there aren't. But so, the summers are spectacular. They're, they're, they're awesome. They're really yeah, nice. So, sure. yeah. Spring and summer. Yeah, spring. Yeah, probably pretty similar to Detroit's weather, I'm guessing. I don't know. But uh, I think Minnesota, like, a little like better. More, yeah. Because Detroit's, I hate it. Like, I hated those winters, but... Uh, on minute on the winters, I was way worse in Minnesota. Yeah, Detroit is. Yeah. No, Minnesota. Is. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. what I would think. Yeah, yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, that part is not good. Long. But, yeah, super. Just right. Long. So you brought him to Minnesota? Actually, no. I don't know what brought him to Minnesota. We met at uh, St. Paul College. Opportunity okay. brought me to Minnesota. There Opportunity, you go. Yeah, like yes. It. God brought you to yeah. Minnesota. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> Yeah, um, just in Michigan though, it's just it's not a lot of opportunity there. Okay. Uh, so uh, my dad stayed there for. I used to go to Minnesota in the summertime, and um, when I graduated high school, my dad wanted me to come up there. He got me a job with him, and uh, no looking back from that point. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you don't mind, I'm gonna interject and let's kind of get to your dad. And I I understand both of you have a little bit of a different twist because you don't 
you haven't gone through substance abuse disorder yourselves, right? Uh, nah, uh. But your your families have. Yeah. So should we let Georgia so, go first, ladies first? And so they have gone through it, but just from yes, right, we right, have gone through it. Just from yes. a perspective that perspective. we don't always see on this show, we yeah. know there's perspectives there, but we have a lot of people that are recovering alcoholics or addicts on this show, and um, and so this will be a fun episode to get that differing point of view for sure. So. Right. Yeah. I was talking to somebody the other day. Um, she's actually out of Texas, Dr. Linda Wilson, and she's a recovering addict. And I was like, I've been through it just as well, just on the other side. For sure. I'm um, having close people in my family uh, struggling with alcohol and drugs. So um, my son, he struggled with both as a minor and as a minor. It's like, I have to go to these treatment things with him. I have to sit in groups. I have to sit yeah. in meetings. Um, at the time, I had a decent job that I was able to sit with him because if not, I would have lost my job, but it was something that I would have to do as a parent to try to get my son back on the right track. Um, and then just people close to me that just everyday functioning uh, alcoholics, you know, and it's like that effect that it has on you um, not showing up for things, not being able to count on them, not being responsible, not remember conversations from the night before. It's like, uh, hello, you know, not having good housekeeping skills, just having nothing, you know. So it's uh, being that child that no one likes or not having everything that kids should have when they go out and about, you know. So you're kind of the kid that gets talked about, you know. What you just described, does that kind of reflect your upbringing and your childhood? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it was, it was a, a hard and even, um, in the black community, you know, it's, it's still shameful, you know? Mm -hmm. So when you grow up with somebody close to you, it's like, you can't call them out because it's disrespectful. Yeah. I can so it's, it's hard. Um, and I battled with my family cause it's like, if, if I'm putting our business out there, cause what happens in your house stays in your house. Yeah. You know, so you're not supposed to say it. And then sometimes it's a word game. Okay, maybe the people in my family, they're not alcoholics and addicts, but they struggle drinking. They struggled using alcohol. So that is a better twist. So it doesn't seem like I'm talking about a person or being disrespectful or not honoring that person anymore. So a lot of times I say, if you struggle with it, because it's kind of like name calling. Yeah. And there's a stigma. I can totally respect what you're saying because the stigma is there, right? Like, yeah. you know, my family struggled when I first started talking publicly about the things I went through. Right. And, and for sure, like that's, I think that's, there's a big stigma behind this thing and we're not saying they're bad people. Not at all. Right? If they struggled with cancer or diabetes, exactly. could, we, could, could we talk about that? Right. Sure. Yeah. Right. But yeah. because it's so taboo, yeah. people like. Yeah, they take it as offensive. Yeah. It's interesting because there is a there's also the same sort of movement that you've experienced. There's that same movement in the medical treatment industry is if you heard me earlier, I said something about addicts and frankly that word is frowned upon even in the medical treatment model. Right. We call we we say there are people with substance use disorder or exactly. people who struggle with substances. Yes. And you got that earlier than actually the medical <laughs> community got that because of a cultural thing, because right. of the respect for parents and the yes. and the we don't talk bad about people in our house. Exactly. And that sort of stuff. But we've got that. I, I occasionally slip and say the word addicts and occasionally people will will stop me on that but really i'm talking about so I, i'm in recovery and I, I, I don't mean to make that a point but i'm really talking about me i'm not trying to talk about other people when it, i say the word but people hate it when i say that word right yeah and, and even when i said the person who i speak to she identifies she's like i'm a past addict so i'm like okay so i would say that about her so when people refer right. to them as that if they don't i'm like oh you struggled with this or mm -hmm. you struggled with that you know yeah, yeah that's good. and that's what i say my son struggled with drugs and alcohol he's better now he is young it started early i don't know if it was a phase or what happened you know at school and you know testing different things out sure. but it did get him into the position where he got pulled over by the police officer. Sure. And now you, you're you mandated to do all this stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. To not um, get something on your name, you know. But at the same time, you know, like I said, he is in a better place, but it's the norm. We're popping pills. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're doing sure. all this stuff. It's like there's so many kids dying 
in St. Paul, Minnesota, Minneapolis, uh, with these fentanyl deaths. Sure. Like oh, it's yeah. just so many of my daughter who's 21, her, her school age kids, her friends, they're just dying. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's almost like the norm. Like, that's what we do, you know? So, yeah. so that's, that's everywhere. Wait, how old is this? How old is, is it your son we're talking about? My son, yeah, he'll be 24 on okay. the 21st. And he's gone through it already. He's gone through it already. And, and, and on the other side. Well, I want to say that, but he's not all, he's not like in recovery, you know? Okay. He still right. is doing stuff. It's okay. not to the point where this is the, the second half of my son. Cause before it's like, I don't know which son I'm talking to, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like, I'm not sure. Are you this Jekyll son? Or, yeah. And, so it's like, which a, one are you? That's a tough early age. Right? Yes. Yes. I mean, that's, that's the age when people are dabbling, not, yeah. not, not when they're getting better. Right. right. So he's at a better place. Is he completely sober? No, he's not, you know, yeah. but it's way different from where he was. At. Oh, I love this though. I love this conversation because, uh, you know, a lot of times in the, in the treatment field, one of the things that's been a real problem is that the success rates of treatment are pretty low, right? I mean, the success, successful treatment is lovely, but it's not the norm. Like, frankly, people get out of treatment and relapse all the time and we call it, and you're, you're, you're phrasing this really beautifully because sometimes we call that a treatment failure. But the truth is if somebody was using drugs 365 days a year before treatment, and then they're using drugs 12 days a year after that, would you call them completely clean? No, you wouldn't. But would you call that treatment a, a total failure? No. Right. I mean, that's a person with a better life. They're not getting pulled over by the cops as much or they're right. not. Right. Have, so, if they do, they're not having that paraphernalia and drugs on them at that right, time because they're right. doing different. And in the second half, we'll talk about it, about that failure piece. And that's why we do recovery homes, because we know when you leave treatment, that's just the start of it. That's just the start of your recovery journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. How'd you guys get so smart? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, you have, well, let's get Bernard. You have plenty of let's education. Get, right. yeah, let's get, I, let's I, get Bernard's I get it from Bernard, Bernard right? I, I feel like Bernard kind of grew up in the same situation, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, my situation, um, it was like a lot of my uncles and um, grandfather and every, you know, those type of individuals, they just did. They did a lot of drinking. So I saw a lot of fighting amongst family members, amongst each other and everything like that. So that always skewed me away from not wanting to, you know, drink like that or do drugs because I saw the um the craziness that happens when somebody just gets too intoxicated or smoke crack or, you know, whatever their vice was though. So that made me just stay away from it. But um so like one of my uncles, he uh died a few years back. He um from like an overdose he uh had his leg amputated he had diabetes he just had a lot of stuff but the drugs and alcohol just had control over his over his mentals and he just didn't want to stop though uh we try to give him to go to treatment you know a lot of you know to piggyback with georgia said a lot of black individuals we don't know what treatment was like prior to us even opening up sober homes or recovery homes we didn't know what treatment was because we didn't come from that background and like she said it's like it looked down upon so we don't have the knowledge on how the importance of recovery is doing and it's people out there who can help you our problem is we think um if i go to work it's okay but that makes you just a functional alcoholic right. though and that's not good either though you know what i'm saying even if you got control of it but you still got to go deal with uh people who are experts you know and just because you can make it to work doesn't mean that it's always going to stay that way right this is exactly. progressive right, right. it yeah. doesn't just like oh i can go to work i'm fine well let's play this tape all the way through and fast yeah. forward in a year from now when you're you know even deeper in the depths of of your substance abuse disorder you probably won't be able to go to work yeah right right so why not take care of it while you have insurance because you're employed while you have some kind of stability in your life like not everybody's rock bottom has to be homeless shoeless right. on the streets yeah. right do you feel like this is still the same though in your community? Has that uh, is that changing or is it still uh, a big deal that it's, it's like, still a big deal? Like treatment doesn't happen very often. It don't happen. Yeah. Only I, I can see maybe a little bit now because I just with social media you can see like people talking about treatment, but as a whole, it's it's still a big problem that we got to try to get uh, resolved. We got to bring awareness to it. 
Uh, I think family members, uh, you know, parents, fathers, mothers, and everybody like that, they got to do their research when they see their kid struggling. We got to, like, we invest in them on certain aspects, maybe to start a business, but we want to invest in them to tutor with their mentality as far mm. as just changing their mindset, though, mm. or going, you know, going and get help. We got to invest in that. And from a lot of different cultures, we see that those individuals, those cultures, they invest in, they might invest in business with them, too, but they also going to invest in them to get their mentals right. That's a great point. Well, right. And it goes well, hand in hand with mental health as well. But I think um, some of the treatment centers, it has to be culture specific for different races, for different religions. Sure. So it's just hard because it's not a cookie cutter. You know, like sure. it can't just be the same. It's not one size fits all. It's not, you yeah. know. So we have um, black women in our recovery homes and like they're going and they're because they don't want to do drugs or alcohol no more. So they're going. But it's like it's. Like, I just don't fit in there. Like, I yes. just don't fit in there, you know? That's a tough barrier because you're, so you're already talking about a certain barrier where there's not much knowledge in the African-American community about rehab. But then let's just say you, you know about it and you decide it's time to go, but you're going to go to rehab with a bunch of people that don't look anything like you. Like, yeah. that's a, that's got to be a tough culture. Yeah, I think, I think it's too. a tough thing because you got to have somebody there where you can identify with. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's just like anything. Yeah, yeah. Just people, like with anything. People use because they don't fit in. Yeah, right. yeah definitely. Right? And now yeah. you're going to send them someplace where they don't fit in? Yeah, but I think, and that's, and that's like a double-edged sword because I think a lot of uh, a lot of minorities, we need to be going to school to, I don't know, open treatment centers or becoming physicians in there. I don't know, we but we got to do a more, we got to create a presence on our own in there as well from right. both sides of the spectrum. Well, right. that's what you guys are doing, right? Well, it, at, to some extent, it's no, that's what that you're doing. Pack, don't so. be, don't be, don't downgrade <laughs> what you're doing. You're doing a heck of a thing right here. Yeah. Right. But, but I think too, it's important to point out for people because we have a lot of people that are friends that work in the industry. It's important to point that out. Diversity is huge. That's key. And I can yes. respect what you're saying. And I know like I, I personally work at steps and at steps, we have like a veterans group just for veterans. They're starting to separate the men and the women, right? So if somebody has a lot of trauma around males, they're not going to throw them into a co-ed group. They're going to put them in a women specific group. Yeah. Same thing with guys, right? So this really is a, uh, I love the conversation because it can really open up some people's minds to, Hey, you know, you've got to adapt and respect everybody's cultures, everybody's upbringings, and and basically be a little bit more diversified. Yeah. Right. But I think that starts from um, that's gonna start from like the CEO status though, or the president of a whoever running the treatment yes, center. Sir. They gotta, cause you know, unfortunately, everything we do is a business, so everybody gonna look at ways on how they can monetize everything and who's paying. So if you see this big population over here is paying, they gonna put all the attention over there. But it's a, a whole different big population over there that's not even being addressed yet. And if you put some resources over there, you can change up a lot of stuff. And you can, you know, you might be, you can double your money, probably triple your money every year if you're looking at it from a, you know, a financial aspect of it, though. But you just got to have a vision and the foresight to understand that, though. But when you're not dealing with uh, other individuals from different races, you're not going to ever see that aspect of it, though. You're going to look at you know, the news, CNN, Fox, whatever you look at, and you're going to be like, uh, no, they don't want help. But in reality, they do. They just don't know where to go. Right. Yeah. And then one of the big things, too, um, feedback I get is, like, I went to group and I processed it. You know, I had to process a lot of things that are happening. Okay, so people say the angry black woman. No, because when I get mad, I be like, oh, my gosh, da-da-da-da-da, or this or this, and we talk loud. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're being aggressive. It's like, oh, okay. So now I can't even be myself when I'm expressing right. oh, how man, mad or something made me, you know? I have a sister. She's a police officer now. But I remember when she first got her the um, offer, they said, you have to have a psyche valve. So after the psyche valve, they're like, you're not a good fit. Why? Because I'm a black woman. So you need to bring a black doctor in here so she knows exactly what I'm saying and what I'm doing. Because mm -hmm. what you're saying don't make sense. That's an interesting Because you point. don't understand me because I'm a black woman. And as a white woman, you're never going to understand that I don't have to be bubbly. I don't have to get excited. And I'm just talking plain or I'm doing this or whatever that is. So, yes, my sister had to contact different city people. And they brought a black doctor in there. And she's been a police officer, Ramsey County deputy, for, I think, three years now. Oh. But it's like you cannot, you know, so it's like. It's just hard to process things when you're going to calm down now. Okay, this is what I'm going to go and use like, because I can't is, calm down. This is my calm voice. Calm down. Exactly. This is me. Yeah. Right. So it's just like, okay, you know. Yeah. So it's, and that's how it is when we get to that second part, that house. Because it's like, 
everybody's this, but she's not a, trying to, she's direct, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're direct or we're this or we're that, but it's not, we're not trying to scare you or intimidate you, you know? Right. And yeah. that's that biggest piece is intimidation. Right. People are being actually treated because you're too intimidating. It's like, because I'm too black. Yeah. I'm too me. You're right. <laughs> there you go. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's I, a great I, point. Love, I, I love that because it really does. It opens up the, it opens up the, the conversation of diversity and people's upbringings and what's normal to them might not look normal to you. Right. And how can you make them feel comfortable? So we're going to get to more of this in part two. This has been a, a great part of great episode in part one, right after this 30 second break from our sponsors. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery. And once you become of the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also gonna help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're gonna give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right, welcome back to part two of episode 36. We have in the studio, Georgia and Bernard Jones. Before we get back to their story, we got a couple things that, that we've got to address here first. First of all, episode 36, part two is brought to you by the Hilton Garden Inn. It's always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn in St. George, Utah. If you're traveling through Southern Utah, if you want to come check out Utah, give them a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden Inn, St. George, Utah. They have amazing amenities. How was your guys' stay? Beautiful. I nice. like the location. Good location. Great room. Soft Nice bed. people there. Yeah, it's right <laughs> off the freeway. Clean. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. I pulled up there this morning. I was a little... Uh, jealous because somebody's got a big old Ford truck with all these toys in the back. He's got like a razor and dirt bikes. And I thought, man, that was me. But it's a perfect place to, there you go. You got a big old <laughs> open area where you can pull those things in. So sweet. Wasn't me. Should we get to our, uh, yeah. our book winners? Okay. Contest uh -oh. winners today. I got them. I think I got them. All right. Uh, so we had three more contest winners today. Again, go to the website it will give you or the facebook page it will give you um, instructions to qualify for next week's drawing of uh jason coombs book unhooked and if you if you qualify we will have a drawing next week and give away three more copies i think we still have books don't we oh yeah Got a whole jason's gonna be on the box. podcast in two weeks um, next week we might take a break. I'm not sure, but we'll, uh, we'll let you know. Um, so our winners this week, three winners, Greg Osler won a copy of unhooked Amanda Carrillo. Amanda's awesome. She's been on the show. We love her. Love Amanda. Yep. And Skippy Latroy. That's my boy, Skippy Latroy. Skippy's got, if you've ever seen Skippy's little uh, pieces on either Instagram or Facebook, he's got the carrots of Instagram or the carrots of Facebook where he, <laughs> sits there and chews carrots and gives us uh, some advice uh awesome. yeah that's skippy be sure to send us a direct message through our facebook page with your address so that i can get those mailed out to you yep send that in and jared will mail them out like the day he gets it he mails <laughs> them out right the day he gets them every <laughs> single time yep for those of you sure still do. waiting on last week's copy, it will be mailed <laughs> shortly. I'm a yeah. busy guy, man. I, I work full time. I Listen. go to school full time. I'm planning yeah. a wedding. I do a podcast. I'm only trying to make fun of, of you. Dude, they would, if I was in charge, they wouldn't get mailed for another six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get let's get back to it. So we uh, so this is fun. I'm having a great time because uh, one of the things we're getting today that we haven't gotten in the, on this podcast, we're getting two sort of different points of view that we haven't had in the past. And one is uh, we're seeing this from the eyes of people who have experienced recovery or experienced addiction, not 
personally. Like they weren't the people that were addicted, but they've got very close family members, both both children and parents and and generations before them. And then the second thing is we're getting some real cultural differences that we don't have on this show very often, right? I mean, we let's be honest, it's a show of a lot of people so far that have looked like me, right? <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. <laughs> I got to be honest. It's a bunch of people that look like me. Yeah. Uh, so it's fun. We're getting. The, we're here some, to break the mold. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Thank you. Well, we appreciate it. And you I'm know, on do Recover, we're not we're not afraid to have these hard conversations. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I love good. it. It's so, all yeah. Good. It's all good. So let's let's uh, tra- let's transition to. Well, I don't know if we need to transition. We're getting some great stuff, but uh, let's go to sort of what's going on. Like with what you're doing now. Yeah, because you guys own a couple different yeah, things in recovery, yeah. right? Let's yeah. talk about CVH that CVH recovery and then the one that precluded that. Yeah. So um, back in 2015, we had started a recovery home, basically a sober house. Yeah. Um, What was that? Just uh, What was the inspiration for that? Like what? Uh, the inspiration for us was we had a home that we just had remodeled a few years back. And uh, we didn't want to be traditional landlords. Okay. Because we know the wear and tear that come along with it. So we sure. was just going on how we want to do it. Then actually her sister had taught us uh, told us about recovery homes. Because um, we never heard of it prior to that, though. So we did our research. And we just thought it's a way for us to uh, help the community. And it just be more beneficial for us as well. Uh, especially with us coming from backgrounds where people in our family did drugs and friends like i always say people in my all my friends and a lot of my friends and family just either sold drugs or did drugs so um i'm just here to just try to clean up clean up a little of the mess that they done messed up on (laughs) (laughs) so or make a difference right like yeah yeah make a difference man um so um that was the reason why we did it we didn't really know anything about it we just did our research and um uh, we opened our first house on July 1st, 2015. We got a couple now. Um, then we had went on to do consulting because everybody had seen the success that we was having. And we'd helped, like, we helped a lot of people open up uh, sober homes in the Twin Cities area. Then Georgia can take it from there. He always says, and you can take it from there. So <laughs> when it was brought to us about recovery home sober housing, um, so he's the business person of the marriage or the business. And I'm like the regular person, like, you know, like, I don't know nothing about business or I'll do stuff for free. I'm just a helping individual. So I'm like, oh, wow. Once I heard the concept, I'm like, if this is a place that I could have sent my son to, because back at that time, I'm like, where can I send him to? And if he's not in the system, he no one wants to take him. Right, right, because sure. his background or because, yeah. Yeah, so he didn't ha- he, he didn't get, like, the charge because he was doing a diversionary program, so there was really no help for him where, let me not say that, there was, like, no help where he had to go, and I can't, like, force this 17-year-old, 16-year-old to go somewhere. Sure. Right. I called Teen Challenge. I called some other places. Um, they're like, well, he could just walk out. And I'm like, well, that's what my son's going to do. He's going to walk out. So then when we got the concept, I'm like, great, if I could do something where a person wants to come, like they want to come here and they want to live here and there's people around with the same like, so it's not a forceful thing. Like no one's mandated or anything to be here. They're here because they really, really want to be. So I was super, super excited about that. So I'm like, this is perfect because I love designing homes and setting up and all that kind of good stuff. I do have a background in um, residential settings. So I've worked in earth facilities. I worked in group foster home, adult foster homes, shelters, transitional housing. So I've always done residential. Um, So the housing piece, was not new to me it was just like okay working with more people who struggle with drugs and alcohol but at the end of the day it's like it's just me being me and being nice kind compassionate understanding under knowing that when people are coming here they may have used drugs and alcohol like in my situations the people who i know it was to to self-medicate to cover up the pain from their different lives happening whether they was abused whether they got raped whether whether their kids got taken away from them, like just different life happenings, you know, like just craziness that they're like trying to cope. Self-medicate, yeah. Yeah, so that was their coping mechanism. So I was like, oh, this is perfect for me. So that's when we just start putting the house together and all that kind of stuff and really went from there, so. 
And just real quick, I want to point out something that, that Georgia said because I, I read a little article on this, and I believe it's it like blew my mind how true it was. A lot of people, when they get in the situation with courts and things like that, or parents, they are maybe forced into treatment. Yes. We call that external motivation, right? Like they truly aren't internally motivated. And what happens a lot of times, Dr. Sellers has talked about the not so high success rate. Well, a lot of them suffer from oppositional defiance, right? right? Like if you tell your son, you're going to this place, right. it, you know, and you force him there and then he finds out I can walk out. Right. Guess what oppositional defiance does? Yeah, he's going to walk out. He can walk out. Yeah, right. But if you can create a place like you're talking about where he goes there and he's like, oh man, this is, this is pretty cool. Like I yeah. feel like I, I'm adulting. I can yeah. pay my own bills. I can... Yeah. You know, yes. come and go as I please for the most part. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. at that point, then that internal motivation hopefully kicks in. Right. right. Yeah. I love it. Yep. I like the partnership because you got, you got, <laughs> you got the, you got the business guy, right? You got to have it or it no, doesn't work. No, you have to have it. Right. If it does, if you don't have it, it won't work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. If you can't make the business run, there is no business at the end of it. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's about action. Cause when, when my sister told me, I'm like, oh, this is great. Maybe in a year or two. Right. I came home. He's like, okay. So we're well, like, you talking about planning a wedding. This is like May. I mean, January, February. We're getting married in May. And he's talking about we're moving. People's going to move in July. I'm like, hold on. Wait a minute. What just happened? <laughs> hold on. Perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm like, where, well, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? So he's like, writes the list. I'm like, okay. So Perfect. if it wasn't for him, I probably would still be like, well, back in 2015, I've decided to do this. I'm still waiting for the perfect time. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's the perfect team though, right? It's yeah. the perfect team. You got the creativity, right? You got the, you got the business driver. You got yeah. the whole thing going right there. Well, so that's a great and team. And her background is unspeak. Like if she's done this for other organizations right. and in other situations, perfect. like she has the perfect background. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So 2015, we started Central Village House and then we just, uh, we had, we, we felt like we created a blueprint, a blueprint for success, centralvillagehousing.com. You can look at our sober homes and everything like that. So we had a lot of people, um, coming to us like, yeah, we want to open up sober homes, you know, everything like that recovery homes. So can I pause real fast? So right now with Central Village Housing, we have 20 residents. Yeah. Oh wow. So we house two, we have two houses with 20 residents right now. Wow. Are they both full? Almost full. We got a couple of open beds. Yeah, we, we deal with women. And we do women, yeah. It's all female. I'm yeah. the hands-on, you know. He said in 2022, he's like, I might open up a men's house. So we'll see how fast that opens up, okay? <laughs> we'll see. She's got to write the manual first. You got to read it before you try running that. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh no! So finished. We did this, and then we start helping other people open up. Yeah, so we homes. start opening, helping other individuals open up recovery homes. They was having success with it, but you know when COVID hit, it was just like uh, we need to focus on everything that we need to do with our own stuff. So then we created a a, a e course. It's a self paced e course that you that we uh, show everybody on how to open a successful recovery home in any city in any state. Though. Um, so we super excited about that. That just came out in uh, on on March first, right? Mm -hmm. March first, though. So, wow, yeah, that's awesome. How yeah. do people get connected with that? Yeah, so they can go on cvhrecovery.com. So uh, we have a free training online because a lot of people don't even know what a recovery home is, sure. though. Um, so we got a free training online, just breaks everything down, just show you, you know, the business side. But you gotta have a, you know, the mentality to help people as well. So. Um, yeah, recovery. Yeah. You know, I think that's important though. There's, there's a fair number of people out there that want to be helpful but don't have the knowledge. Right. And so that's what you guys are providing for cvhrecovery.com. Yeah. Okay. So and one thing too is like owning recovery homes is a is an untapped market. So um, right now, and especially like with this pandemic going on, when this pandemic clear. You can imagine all the people who are going to be going to, um, you know, rehab and, you know, everything like that. So our thing is, OK, we know that you can make money, but it's also just about being able to help people out there as well, too. Because right now, when this stuff is over, it's just it's going we're going to need everybody all hands on deck to get everything, sure. get the smoke to clear it all. Sure. I think there's some it. truth to that. I mean, I, I I work in the industry down here in southern Utah and our <laughs> our sober living homes are backed up. I mean, it 
There's you a, can't find there's a place. There's for sure a dramatic shortage of something. Right, yeah, right. Like there's people on Facebook Marketplace that are looking to, you know, rent rooms to people in recovery because recovery homes that are structured and do UAs. And I'm sure right. there's a whole protocol mm-hmm. that you know about. Yep. Yeah. Like the right way to do it exactly. is all full. And so people are looking for all these you know, little splits in the system and right. pe- that's how people fall through the cracks. Exactly. Right? Not yeah. Being monitored. So that's cool. There's definitely a need. Right. Yeah. Especially when a lot of people don't know about just from an aspect, like what we was just talking about earlier with treatment. Um, a lot of people, I think maybe sometime why the success rate might be low is because I think if you go into treatment for 28 and 30 days, you need somewhere to go before you go before you go home. And I think a recovery home is the next the 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 place that everybody should leave before I mean should go be after they leave the treatment center though. I think you're gonna have to see more success rates, especially if they're in a mind frame where they really want to do it though. No yeah. question. Just there's no question about that, right? That's a so we have a severe lack of that. There seems to be one of the things that we don't do very well is, first of all, there's a whole lot of people out there with substance use disorders, which are, which go untreated. So right. we need to get people to treatment, but then the other severe shortages after treatment, you, you got them all confined in this place and they can stay clean and sober in this house where there's people watching the house by house. I mean, rehab mm-hmm. where people are watching over them and then you just send them home. Right. Now what? Or they go to the aftercare IOP. Right. Intensive outpatient, but they're not going to make it if they're at, in this they go the back past the behavior, the right. environment. So they have to do recovery housing to make it a treatment. So it kind of go hand in hand. And even our residents, after they graduate, they don't move out. Like they will stay in the home. There's no stay requirement. Like you, we have someone in our house who's been with us for over two years. She's like, I'm not leaving because I'm not sleeping back on the bus stop. Yeah, if sure. I leave here, I'm going to, I'm going to go backwards. Like you guys hold me accountable. That's just because it's like, she knows like we really care about her and the other people care about her. So she has someone that is like counting on her to be good to herself. You know, I love that. I, I want to point out something real fast though, too, because some of the best treatment centers have a staging program. For instance, For steps sure. recovery center, you go into RTC level of care. Right. And, and this is where they're, they're maybe lacking. And if places the treatment centers that don't have it, they should definitely reach out and contact you and, and look at this because a tier system, you come in RTC, right? That's your inpatient level of treatment. Right. They transition you to their sober living house. Right. And then they go to PHP, which is partial hospitalization program. Right. You do that, right. Which is 20 plus hours a week. Then you transition down to IOP that you're talking about mm-hmm. while still living in a stable yes. environment. And then, right, GOP, which is general outpatient program, IOP's intensive outpatient program. Right. But there's a step-down system, and that, if we always say, trust the process, right. follow the plan, yeah. if you do those things, then hopefully the success rate is a lot better. Yeah. Now, for treatment centers out there that don't have the tiered system, they definitely should look into that form, because just like everybody's saying, it's hard to go from you know, a safe place to an unsafe place, and sure, they're coming to treatment for... IOP, which is what, 12, a minimum of 12 hours a week. Yeah. But who's holding them accountable when they're not in IOP for the exactly. 12 hours a week? Yeah. Yeah. So Good I point. think sometimes we got to just look at the, um, the, uh, the person, our integrity too. Like, do we really want these individuals to su- succeed or are we just looking at it from a financial aspect of it? Oh, um, no doubt. You got to have passion. You got to have passion. You got to have passion. You got to really want to want the best for the person who's going through the treatment process too though like but if you like yeah just come here and then do 12 hours and then go back to that environment that you did drugs in like the intention's not pure yeah you're setting them up thanks for saying that because i think that's a critical piece of it for sure we have a whole lot of people who get out of treatment they get clean and sober and they're like and then they see some dollar signs Mm -hmm. and they think i'm going to open a rehab Right. And they open a rehab and then and then they start focusing on trying to make a dollar. Yeah. Right. If you focus on trying to get people better. If you focus on trying to help people out, you can make dollars. Yeah. Right. The dollars will be there. Right. And that's OK. It's OK to make money in treatment. That should never be shameful. Right. As long as you're thinking about the patients or the clients first. Yeah. It's OK if you make a dollar. Well, that's I mean, totally that's, fine. That's the dream, right? The dream is to make money doing what you love to do. Right. right. So if, as long right. as your initial your initial intention is to do what you love to do and help people out, like Dr. Sellers is saying, it's OK to make money. Yeah, right. Like, that's the it's dream. obvious, though, that their intentions are great. That's the point. I mean, that's. George yeah. M. Bernard? Yes. Oh, if for you sure. Have, oh, if yeah. you have good intentions. 
it'll work. Right. It right? will. Yep. To be honest, I, I'm a little picky on who I let come on the podcast and I just through co phone conversations and doing my research, I could tell that they're genuine people and yeah, yeah that's why they're on here. For today. sure. And we've we been excited it. about this episode for a <laughs> oh, while. By yeah. Oh, we appreciate it, man. And that's yeah. the thing too, because it's like, like we're saying, if it's a, a since you don't consider a substance use disorder a real sickness, you know? I do, but not No, but the society. Else, right? For sure, so society doesn't, when, for sure. You know, you come at their, um, whatever sickness you have, like you're going to classes, you're doing all this different stuff. It's just not like you get out the hospital, okay, fine. Even yep, though you just it. had a heart, a heart attack, you know? Right. You're changing your lifestyle, you're eating different, you're exercising. It's just, it's a new lifestyle change. And for some reason, it's not going to be a... a 30 day fix, you know, like yeah. it's not, it's just not, it's, it's, a, it's a life change, you know? So mm -hmm. it's like, if people look at it as a life change, that it's not just going to happen that fast over, Oh, you did treatment, you're cured. Now figure it out. You know? Yeah. One thing too, it's like a bit, one, one thing that we noticed too, is it's a big disconnect from like treatment centers, um, and recovery homes, sober homes, and even IOPs and sober homes, because I think, um, at least up in Minnesota, they don't use us properly, though. Um, they need to communicate. I think we think that they need to communicate with us more properly. Um, because, like we were just speaking earlier, if if everybody's intentions is pure and we want everybody to succeed, I'm sure, I, I really do feel like we got the, we can go around and help all these treatment centers where instead of, you know, somebody having a, when they get out of treatment, they having 10 days that says, I know we can have a, especially if they mentality right, we, we got the blueprint where we can just show them, like, keep everything internal. You know, after they get done treating them, keep them, open up a recovery home for yourself. And I promise you that these people going to stay there much more longer. It's not going to be that big relapse relapse drop, though. Yeah. You know oh, yeah, saying? absolutely. For yeah. Sure. You know, a big thing about recovery, the the three pillars they call it an injury i call it four you know physical emotional social spiritual right yeah. so i think a big part of the recovery homes and sober living in general is that commute that sense of community right yeah. that that social sense that's a huge yeah. thing yeah if somebody like we're talking about if they go to treatment and then they go right back to the same social circles yeah they're bound that's the the that's those are the circles that got them sick in the first place yeah. right so i think what you're saying is is you hit the nail right on the head. You've got to change their lifestyle, right? You've got to get them around a society, a, a group of people, like-minded like individuals. individuals, so they can have long-term success. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm, if you guys I just, I'm impressed with how much they know about addiction because there are people that go to school for years to study this, and you guys have a lot of stuff figured out that people go to school for years to try to figure <laughs> they out. They lived it. Well, I know. I, right. I, I, for sure. <laughs> For sure, that's a giant part of it, but they're also really smart. Like the yeah. the things they're doing are things that are talked about in the treatment industry all the time, but just nobody's doing them. Yeah, right. like you guys are doing what people are talking. And we about. listen to our residents. Like yeah. we literally, even with our e course, we tell people like it's a lot of learning. They're like, oh, we won't do that ever again. Whoa, oh heck no, you know. So it's just us like paying attention, listening. Like we're always asking our residents like what works, what don't work. We don't police. We're not about t saying no. Like whatever we could do, like we're more than accommodating, you know. So when they're like, "Well, we think," we're like, "Oh, okay, great." They're like, "Huh?" It's like this is your house. This is your home. Like let's do whatever. We're just we're just here making sure no one's getting hurt. We're providing a safe place for you guys to live as a family. You have a sisterhood. So, okay, you know, so yeah, we do random UAs, we have curfew, we have, they do overnight passes, so it's really structured. We document everything, but it's not like, oh, I'm gonna get in trouble or I have to ask for permission, you know? If you're not going to treatment, send a text, I am not in treatment today. Right, you're We're not gonna trying be to like, are you them. sick? Yeah, you're not trying to But otherwise, them. you're telling us what you're gonna do, you know? Right. So it's really independent living. So like, like what you saying too a little bit, uh, doctor, is uh, how, one thing too, like so per se, we don't come from quote unquote the drug or alcohol background. So I think like a lot of those treatment centers and people and and that they need to hire outside consultants who don't come with those type of the mindsets though. You know what I'm saying? Great when you point. when you come in there with an open mentality, you like especially after just sitting down listening to people, you can figure out what the problem is. A lot of times, a lot of people don't want to figure it out because they think they know everything. That's a great. You know what point. I'm saying? So, oh, I went to school for 22 years, but you 22 years, what did you really do right. besides just write right. 38 Ta pages? The time has changed now. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Beautiful point. A really beautiful point. Well, I want to be able to touch on what their what their future plans are and yeah. kind of where they're sure. going from here. Go with it. <laughs> All right. So right now, so our big thing right now is just uh, you know, making sure that it's enough recovery homes open. So to learn more about us, you can go to cvhrecovery.com. We got a free training, free training online. Our social media uh, for Instagram is cvh.recovery and Facebook is CVH Recovery. Um, our biggest things, what we want to do now is just, you know, keep our recovery homes at capacity, uh, the e-course, and just helping other treatment centers when they need that help because it's a big gap that we know that we can um, resolve. Like, it's one treatment center up in Minnesota now who got individuals moving to our homes, but we're telling them we know that the, this lady not going to stay in your treatment center because of it could be the small things, your hours of IOP. And it's another treatment center who's who's assisting out the same way, but they hours are way more shorter, daytime hours. But, you know, sometimes they just don't want to listen, though. So that's our biggest thing is just bridging the gap where we can be more of a, a helping hand outside of just opening up recovery homes. And yeah. real fast, so for the self-paced e-course, you're able to find that at cvhrecovery.com. We do have a free training that talks more about recovery and recovery being a recovery home operator, but you're able to purchase it through that link as well, and it's four ninety nine. Awesome, beautiful. CVHrecovery.com. Don't forget that. Yeah, that, I, that's right. the biggest service I think is the training other people to yes, do what you guys have e-course. figured out. That's awesome. Yeah, when you got a blueprint for success, though. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that is that's awesome. Speaking of a blueprint for success, uh, next week we don't have a podcast because. Sean will be out of here, but the following week we will have Jason Coombs with Unhooked. That'll be Friday the 30th. Be sure to join us for episode 37 on the 30th. Everybody have a great and safe weekend. Happy weekend. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.